I always feel like the most important thing that we always need to remember is that we're not alone in this world. Whether it's that the plants are here with us, a beautiful tree is here with us sending us love, or animals around us, or it is our ancestors, and all the other people around us that are in this life the same time like you're not alone and whatever you're experiencing and trying to understand about yourself it matters and the answers are out there you know it all begins by understanding the mind I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. Hi, Joy. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So I have to say that we're in person today, which is unusual for the show. I've brought one guest on before that was in person. I went to his house and I am at your house today. Yep. And we're recording this in your music room and we are doing video. So we'll have to send you over to the video so you can see the beautiful room that we're recording in as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. So special extra thing in addition to that extra thing is it's also your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm having a good day. I felt like what better way to spend the day chatting with you and talking about all my favorite things. Yay. So. I love that. We're going to fill you in a little more on what those favorite things are in just a minute. But today is also a full moon and it's the 11th. And I love the number 11 for probably reasons that a lot of people love the number 11. It's a sacred number and a lot of people call it an angelic number. That makes sense now. I bought you an angel. What's the name of the stone? But I'm forgetting. Angelic quartz. Or... Yes. It's all coming together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I do like the number 11 myself. So I'm not extremely schooled in numerology, though, but I do like that number. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not an expert or a devote numerology follower either. But I do notice that that one pops up in my life a lot. And now that I know that you were born on the 11th, that kind of makes sense to me. And got you that stone today, which I usually pick out intuitively. I try to channel the person's energy and space and time that we're in. And that's what came up. So that's what we got. Now that I'm thinking about it after the intuitive process, I'm like, oh, this actually all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So on that note, we've had you on before. So if anyone has been listening for a while, you may have heard Joy Shannon's previous episode, which is we featured one of your songs that was coming out at the end of, I believe it was 2021. Yeah, the from, song Cloister. Yes, from the cave, right? Yep. Yeah, it was great. I really appreciate that. It was just a really beautiful show. So thank you. I love that episode because I got to mix in your music into it. And it was this fun, flowy, sort of unique format that we don't usually do either. Every once in a while, I've run on a musician before, but I love that episode. So if you haven't heard that one yet, please go listen to it. I'm forgetting the number of the episode, but it's one of the last ones in 2021 in terms of the date. And we brought you back because we're leaning into more conversations around spirituality and how creativity kind of connects with that. And speaking of your last episode, I realized recently that this intersection that I started to lean into with creativity and healing came from something you said in that episode. And I went back and listened to it and realized that recently I was like, oh, like you were a big part of this sort of claiming of that and recognition of those things, those intersections. And I've been building a lot more space and content, lots of things around that idea. So it makes so much sense for you to come back and talk to us again. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. That means a lot to me. I don't remember the quote, though. I'm happy that some part of my ramblings made sense to you and inspired you. (laughs) Of course it did. (laughs) I love talking with you and it's probably why we've been friends for so long. Yes. (laughs) So I do want to start by having you share a little bit about just who you are, maybe how you identify and what you are. You're a very creative person and you've had many creative lives, in my opinion. So maybe you just can share a little bit about what you're doing now and to introduce to those that maybe haven't listened to that episode yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, my name is Joy Shannon and I am an artist, musician and tattoo artist. I do all of those things. I kind of have like three creative pursuits going on simultaneously, but they all feed into each other really well. And that's what keeps me really inspired. My music often is about history or mythology, especially Celtic or Irish mythology, Norse mythology. I get inspired by all sorts of ancient histories, sometimes more recent history too. And then I am a tattoo artist that focuses on Celtic and Nordic style, plus botanical style, which kind of goes into like my pursuits of understanding witchcraft and the natural world and how the natural world around us is always there to teach us lessons, but also provide healing. And, you know, I'm always basically trying to learn as much as I can about my own cultural history and the wisdom that the ancients have left us and how can that help us now in this crazy world we live? Because of course, I'm never thinking we should go back to the way ancient people lived because it was very hard, but they have so much wisdom to offer that basically we can glean like the best of our ancestors' lessons and combine them with what's happening now. That's kind of my goal. So I'm always thinking about that. And when I sit down to draw or paint or do a tattoo or write a song, that's usually the kind of theme that drives me there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to hear you say it this way in in a purpose, like it's wrapped up in this sort of intention you have and all the things that you do. And I'm familiar with a lot of the sort of adventures you've been on and the journeys you've went on to follow things that relate to that. But it's just recently that I learned that there was sort of this 
whole intention around each one that it's connected to almost like a nucleus or even maybe the opposite. Maybe you're the nucleus and you're reaching out to kind of bring everything in together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think both could be true at the same time. I think so too. I think it's that exchange of like ideas and ancient ideas and new ideas and how can we not leave things on the table that have been walked those paths are there, like the knowledge is there. So how do we literally unearth them and bring them in? You know, what's funny is I know that way back when I was a kid, I was inspired by Lord of the Rings And every once in a while, I go back to it. I'll read parts of it that I love, mostly (laughs) Return of the King. It's my favorite. I'll reread that all the time. Mm. I used to reread it once a year. My life has gotten too busy to do that. I should go back to that, though. But I recently heard a quote from Tolkien that made me realize, oh, he perfectly said it. What I was just trying to say to you, it's the very, very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, the movie, Mm -hmm. where it's like much of what once was is now lost because none now live to remember it. I just got chills when you said that. Right. Kate Blanchett said it in the movie, so she said it so beautifully. And it wasn't said by her character in the books. If I recall properly, it was said by Treebeard, the Ent, the tree. The tree knew because the tree remembers Mm -hmm. everything. And if there is a Tolkien nerd out there who remembers better than me, and I got that one wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Treebird said it. But regardless of who said it, Tolkien wrote it, and it's brilliant because I think that's really what I've been getting at, is trying to feel into what people that are passed away now might have to offer us the wisdom that is around us. You know, I always talk about ancestors, but I really feel them. We talked about it in the last episode. I feel Mm -hmm. them so vividly when I go back to Ireland. I feel them vividly everywhere I go, whether they're of my own culture or not. I feel the presence of whoever had lived on this land for centuries, you know. And I feel like there's so much wisdom that they're trying to tell us like, whoa, slow down, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So, and that also might be wrapped up in the fact that I'm sensitive and I've never identified as a medium per se because I've never wanted to put too much pressure on that to mm-hmm. try to communicate to some specific spirit at a specific time. It's not as easy as that for me. I've known some very skilled mediums, though, who can hone in and channelers and very amazing people. But for me, it's more, I think I feel like I'm still learning. I'm still like growing and my skills are probably more and connected to nature itself. And then a lot of animals and, you know, that might be more... I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like I get messages and then I go to make some art and some music about it. (laughs) So a little less pressure than trying to talk to someone's recently deceased relative, (laughs) you know. Which sometimes happens anyway. They poke in. (laughs) Yes. I'm also a Reiki practitioner like yourself. And when I do my tattoos, I will often do Reiki with each client. Mm -hmm. But I never tell them that sometimes I get messages because I don't want that pressure. But if I do get a message, I share it. So sometimes it happens, sometimes it's more neutral, or it's just, you know, every session is different. Agreed. Yeah, I have the same things come in, particularly with Reiki kind of woke me back up to a lot of those things and or fine tuned some new ones that were probably there. I just we dismiss a lot in this society. It's like not normalized for a lot of us, but 
similarly where I don't want the pressure of labeling all of those things or channeling or talking to this and that and the other. And Tom, like jokingly, but seriously, will say like, you can talk to animals. (laughs) And I'm like, I know I can. And I know that might sound strange to someone listening, but I don't doubt that that's true because I feel completely in conversation with them often. (laughs) Yeah. Same. When you're working in someone's energy or with someone's energy, I'll get things that come through sometimes, especially if someone just passed away or if there's grief going on and then same, I'll share it. If it happens, I'll share everything that comes up that so that they have it and they can interpret it without me adding any of my ideas to it. Right. Yeah. As you're talking about that, it made me think, you know, very like Freudian or Jungian, like the idea of our subconscious being like an ocean. I feel like all of our energy around us could be very liquid. And maybe Mm -hmm. when we're doing Reiki or we're doing a reading for somebody or just being around them, maybe it's whatever's popping up to the surface. That's the recent, more important thing to talk about or address. Totally. Funnily, yes. so when I was buying your crystals and the gifts that I shared today when I arrived, I went there. I like purposely wanted to go to that store before I came and something about shopping in the energy of your birthday helps with that I don't know so I wanted to do things very in tune and there was a psychic there who's I think she's there a lot I haven't seen her before particularly but she was just standing by the register with like her deck of cards and she was like giving away like free card readings like to everyone who was tendering and I was like I'm in a rush I was like I don't have time (laughs) and they're like how's your day I'm like oh my day is crazy And they were like, too busy for tarot. I know, I know. And I was like, I really want one. I just don't have time. And they were all just like, oh, okay. <laughs> when I was sharing that my day was a little frazzled feeling, I mean, it's just kind of going from thing to thing today and the, the moon and well, my energy is always a little weird on the full moon days. She just like stood maybe five feet away from me. I could feel her tap into my, like just empathetically. I could just feel her tap in. I was like, you totally feel what I'm doing right now. It made me laugh and she was like, it'll take one second. And I'm like, okay. So then (laughs) she had me pull a bunch of cards and everything that I've been obsessing over were the totally the three cards. I was like, yep, yep, yep. I know. (laughs) Like those are the things. And she was like, it's going to change on September 30th. I'm like, great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I was like, thank you so much. You're going to be, where are you going to be? Right. I'm going to be in Greece. That's right. Okay. Yeah. I knew you were going to be somewhere magical. Yeah. It's going to be in Santorini. I believe I have to double check if I'm in Naxos on that day or Santorini, but definitely on a Greek Island. It's a good course. (laughs) So hopefully will feel some grounded. shifting will happen. It was you'll be in Atlantis. Yeah. Yes, oh, that's a whole nother. Maybe we'll talk that's about another that. topic. It might be part of this. So that's a little segue, a little tangent. But I just thought it was funny about psychics coming back to everything you were just sharing. That was the perfect segue to the overall topic is today, which is Pat's life memories. Yes, yeah, and. I didn't realize that that wasn't something that was always part of your sort of energetic spiritual connection. No. And we were talking recently before this, because I usually talk to my guests, (laughs) my friends in this case too, but prior just to kind of like zoom in on what 
exactly we'd like to share about in each episode. And I learned so much about your experience. I started to connect the dots in the storytelling that you've shared with me over the years. But I'd love for you to share that pivotal moment in your life where that started to kind of come in for you. But before we do that, can you define maybe for a listener who might not know really what that is? Like what is a past life memory or maybe how you experience it? Just a little definition and then... Yeah, yeah. For me, I never had that as a concept because I've always felt like spirituality is based on each of our individual experiences. And I felt like since I was a child, I developed my own spiritual beliefs based on just direct experience. I didn't want to believe what somebody else told me. And I didn't feel like that was healthy, at least for me, to just blindly trust somebody else's experience of spirituality. So as the stubborn person that I am, I really was just like, I will only trust it if I directly feel it, directly experience it. And so as a young person, I started to be aware that I saw things that other people didn't see. And mainly like ghosts, I guess, is how people would define them. I don't even know because there could be totally all sorts of different types of spiritual beings. Mm. I had lots of spiritual experiences as a child that some of which I shared with my family and some of which I didn't. Because when you're a kid, you just think whatever you're experiencing is what other people experience. It's just it's just real. Normal. Yeah, it's normal <laughs> yeah. and it's real. Normal and... to you. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, wait, no. As I got older, I started to realize, you know, there would be some experiences like in places like hotel rooms that we would rent and I would see something in it mm. and say something to my mom. And then she'd be like, oh, we're not going to stay here. <laughs> you know, so she would believe you. She, she would be- trust your she experience. Mm. Yeah, she believed me. I don't know if it was just because she didn't want a crying child all night or if she was like maybe more sensitive than she let on herself. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. We never had a really super clear conversation about that, actually. But at least my parents didn't shut me down, which I've heard other people sure. have experiences like that, which is terrible if you are a spiritually sensitive, empathic person. It'd be terrible to have a family shut you down. And then you have the kind of a wound you have to heal. So for me, I think all I knew spiritually was that I was sensitive to things that other people couldn't see. And so as a preteen, and it started getting more vivid when I was a teenager, I would see or feel spirits, had a lot of really vivid dreams and a lot of dreams that would come true later. Just, you know, mundane things, nothing really super significant. Do you have an example? Oh, well, I was like a punky gothy kid. And sometimes I would dream about a day that would happen later with my friends. And I'd see whatever hair color they were going to change their hair to like just (laughs) silly things like that. And I saw exactly the hairstyle that they were going to come up with. And they hadn't talked to me about it. And then a few days later, I'd be like, Oh, my God, that's the hair I dreamt about. Yeah, You know, so silly things like that. But what I felt that was, was my own maybe spirit guides or my own spiritual self just teaching me through mundane things to trust it. Mm, I like that. I've always wondered about that. I have those things too. And I'm just like, why bother? (laughs) Why are you telling me about this? (laughs) Well, yeah, as as a teenager, I wondered the same things. And 
I even at the time wasn't always mature enough to understand what sometimes spirits were telling me. Now I understand as an adult, but a lot of times I'd be a little bit impatient where it would be like somebody's grandma would talk to me and they just wanted to tell their grandchild that they love them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, of course they know that. At the time, I felt like a little bit immature and maybe dismissive that I'm like, that's a basic message and didn't think that that was like meaningful, like meaningful. Now as an adult, I understand it's extremely meaningful. And sometimes that's the most important message that anybody could ever convey Mm. and to not dismiss that. And that's one of the ways I've grown. (laughs) But yeah, so I had all that stuff happening and I didn't really know what to do with it. But that is when the internet first came out and I'm dating myself now. I'm right there with you. I know (laughs) we're around the same age, but we're not going to say. Yeah, Numbers don't exist. But I was like, well, okay, let me just search for spiritual things. I didn't really know what I was searching for, but it was actually how I found Reiki. And oh. when I was 16, had my first car. Really young. Yeah, I was really young, but I had my first car and I was like, what can I do that I can learn about and maybe start to use my skills to help other people? That's I- so young to have that <laughs> desire to be like, all right, I have a car. I have the freedom now to go figure out how to help people. Like, who draws those (laughs) connections when they first get a car? Like, I love that so much. It's such a good character testament to, like, who you are and what you're driven by. I had to point that out. Well, thank you. Go on. I mean, I don't know. I I appreciate that. That's really kind. I've always (laughs) been a nerd, too, because I just, I always wanted to learn. And That's also the fun extra thing that you said. (laughs) Yeah, just learn. But being able to find my Reiki teacher at that time, that helped me to understand, okay, energy is real. The things that I am experiencing are there. It's, you know, it was like the first time I was able to talk to an elder, (laughs) you know, somebody older than me. She's not old. Someone wise. (laughs) But just someone wise. Yeah, it felt like she was a, you know, wise goddessy woman, you know, who was able to share skills with me. And after that, I found more and more people gradually. So that's really the start of my spiritual life. I didn't have any concept of past lives in there at all. It was just whatever I'm experiencing. Do you, sorry to interrupt, no. but do you, I don't know if I know the definition specifically, like what that means. But do you know what that would be? Is there a definition or is it like up for interpretation, do you think? I would think it's fairly open and it's something that we can't exactly prove. Mm-hmm. Although there have been, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists that have done studies and tried to understand really? patients that are having past life memories and some things that potentially are like evidence-based that this person remembers this thing and how in the world could they remember it and it's actually real. There have been case studies like that and I think that's awesome to try to prove it. But I never really thought of it that way because I've never really thought of trying to prove anything (laughs) to anybody. It's just like, what is my experience? So how I came to that idea was through a series of visions. I interpreted them differently in the beginning, when I was first having them, I was really thinking I was seeing my ancestors. And then as I kept having them over the years, I started to realize, I think I'm actually seeing myself in the past. Right. And both of those things could be true. That's true. So I don't know if I have exactly the clearest idea of past lives, because I'm open to multiple interpretations of the same visions that I have had, because I could say, okay, I could be seeing my ancestors, but I am my ancestors, because I am everything that they passed down in DNA. That's interesting, because I don't 
know. Well, personally, I can only speak from like what I have heard people talking about. And I don't know if I've ever heard anyone necessarily talk about past lives in the context of being reborn in the same ancestral tribe, I'll call it. Right. And being that intentional as a soul or a spirit to like come back and have actual genetic lineage to finish work around, let's say, just going off of what people think people come back for and like all of these things. But it's probably different for everybody. For sure. But I like this idea of there being this sort of like multi-layer process that you're sort of subscribing to in terms of how you're walking through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way it developed for me through being a small child with spiritual sensitivities to being a teenager and a 20-something-year-old who started honing in on visions and trying to really understand me and my place in my lineage, my place in the world. What can I do with this life that I've been given? Now, with the perspective that I have in my life, I think there's like a cycle with it. I'm starting to view it in even different terms where I was actually just listening to Ram Dass speak today. And, yeah. and he said, basically, like the way he was describing the self was we work hard to become somebody, but then we have to work hard to become nobody. Yeah. And then within that is the spiritual enlightenment. Mm-hmm. But I see it as perhaps because of visions I've had of myself, perhaps from whence we came in the spirit world, we are everyone. We are one. Maybe we individuate when we choose to be born into a, a body. And I think of it as whether it's an animal or a human, I don't know, but we individuate for that moment, but we're still connected to that great cosmos. In essence, that oneness or that nobodiness, as Ram Dass was saying, but then we individuate further to become somebody in our life. Like, who are we? What are we going to do? You know, what's our career path? What is our personality? You know, trying to understand all that. Which is a very teenager and 20-something-year-old thing to do. Not necessarily. Well, that's true. Super depends on the person. It does. Everyone's at a different rate. Yeah, for sure. But yes, I fluctuate between being somebody and being nobody in the sense of that, like being able to kind of lose myself in the oneness when I meditate or when I see these visions. Mm. So my answer to your question about past (laughs) lives is very vague because I see both. You know, it could be that the visions I've had are, they are me. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful if it is. And those themes, the visions have told me, have taught me so much. And they shape me and they help me become a better person now with more depth. And they do feel like historical memory. They feel like they're in me. Mm. But it also could be an ancestor's memory there. Maybe they're feeding it to me. Yeah. You know, and maybe they're feeding it to me to help me be a better person. I mean, I'm hearing that like the identifiers don't necessarily matter because we are (laughs) kind of always oscillating between somebody and nobody. And I relate to that quite a bit because I feel almost like stuck in it sometimes, like which energy feels better during different times. And I almost want to be like, just pick one. Because it's frustrating to go between sometimes for me, my experience, where it's like, well, which one? Which one makes you happy? Which stage are you in? Like, I get frustrated with that at times. And sometimes I can be in one one part of that energy for a long time. Right now in space and time, I feel a little like in both. So I relate to your way of sharing that. And it makes sense to how you're just told that story about your experience because... It doesn't really matter if it's you or your ancestors or both or all of it or some of it. I think it just matters that you are paying attention 
and you're allowing it to be what it's showing you things and you're just taking those in and then choosing to do the most productive thing you can, whether it be create art or write a song or share a story with a friend like you are today and a bunch of people who are listening and open something for yourself or someone. I mean, it's definitely enough, but I think that that's beautiful and not needing it to be like over-identified. Right. I know. And we live in a age where we're obsessed with identity and identifying everything, having a label for everything. And I know kind of the new agey spiritual movement can feel that way too, like trying to label things or find scientific ways to prove things are real. And I personally don't feel like I need it. I don't have to prove to anybody that it's real. Yeah. You know, there's a piece to that to just be like, well, this is my experience. I share it with like-minded people. You know, and I share it when I feel like intuitively it could help somebody else or they could relate to it maybe. And But I guess I'm less worried than I used to be about being labeled as crazy <laughs> for, for, you know, experiencing the world in a very different way. Yeah, I'm getting there through these conversations, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. it took a bigger step for me to open up to allow what different humans wanting to share with me Mm. and they just kept coming and I've talked about this on the show before like last season was and it's continuing but it was very specific group of people that kept showing last season and the season before like 20 or so plus people were just like well let me talk about the soul and the spirit and I'm gonna channel on the show and I'm channel this kind of thing and I am a psychic and I was like Mm. oh my god (laughs) it's Mm. like where are all these people coming from and it was all at the same time and I was like what are they trying to tell me like do I need to pay attention to this and book everyone and just go for it and I did and I loved it and I've learned so much about myself through the process so again not to like hit this nail over the head too many times but it just makes so much sense for me to bring you back because I feel like it started with you for me in this journey mm-hmm. where you normalized these kinds of conversations for me for the first time I think ever like anyone in my life And I felt like, oh, like maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe the experiences I had really happened and maybe I can talk to someone about it. It's like having a psychic psychologist for the first time (laughs) you can share with openly without being like judged or having like directional things you can share. That was really sort of monumental in my life. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we're still in this space together. Thank you. Me too. What you share in that moment, I feel like... All of us spiritually sensitive souls might have moments like that, just trying to figure out who we can trust with these very sensitive, very personal experiences to not be judged, you know, and to not judge myself. Mm. I definitely shut it down for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And didn't feel like it was a safe place, even for me. Like, I was judging it. Right. I felt the same way when I started having some of the visions that I had. Firstly, I put them in my music and my art. Two very safe places. Yeah. I could know what it was about, but I didn't necessarily share with other people yet what was behind the song or behind why I was drawing what I was drawing. It took me a lot of years, actually, to feel brave enough to share it, you know, mm-hmm. to know like, oh, I sang this song like hundreds of times live and nobody threw a brick at me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, cool, cool. So I think I can share, actually, that is from what I think is maybe a past life vision or mm. some sort of ancestral memory or something that feels very real, you know? And 
you know, it, it took time because I remember sharing it more quietly with some of my close friends like yourself and a few others that I knew would understand. I literally said this quote to one of my friends and it comes to mind right now where I was like, I'm not ready to Shirley McLean my career yet. <laughs> I think of her all the time. <laughs> But eventually I will. I knew it. I was like, I'm going to, you know, she was very courageous just out there with who she is. All of her interviews started to be about that. Like she was just like (laughs) drive the train over and be like, we're talking about crystals. (laughs) Bless her. I know. Like bless her heart. (laughs) No, for real. Yeah. But I guess now I'm ready to Shirley McLean it. So. I'm going to make that into a term. <laughs> I'm trying to get to that place too. I'm exercising it this way. And, and it's a fun thing to do to try things on and see like, oh, I didn't get a brick thrown at me. But it brings like, again, good segue because you're talking about creating your music. And I know that there were songs and you kind of mentioned it. Mm-hmm. that you were writing that you were like, oh, I thought they were ancestral memories, maybe. And maybe they are. But there was, I think, one song particularly that has a music video you can watch, oh. listener. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's one of, I think, my favorite ones because you feel it. It's visceral. I don't know which one you're talking about. I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole story that ties into that. I definitely want to get into the Costa Rica story, though. So yes. if you can just share what the song was about and like experiencing writing that song and what you thought it was and then how you ended up in Costa Rica and what happened there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the song you were mentioning before, I think is my witch hunt song, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's a whole other kit and caboodle, but that song called Midsummer Witch Hunt, I fully feel like I channeled something. I think you said that was prior to the Costa Rica trip that you wrote that. Am I thinking of a different song? All right. So that one came after. It came after. Yeah. But But still go watch it. (laughs) listener because it's just a great song and also the music video is awesome sorry so there's another song you wrote before you went to costa rica Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so tell me about that one yeah so about four years prior to the witch hunt song i was on a journey the album that this song that i'm about to tell you about is on is an album called the black madonna it was my very first album that i started to be inspired by goddesses and I had heard stories of the Black Madonna, which is a Christian statue or icon. There's many versions of the Black Madonna found throughout Eastern Europe, especially. And I went and saw one in Prague. And I was so moved by it, but also moved by the energy of it. It was profound. Mm. And then I started researching who is the Black Madonna? What is the Black Madonna? What is this? And there was all sorts of theories. Really, no one knows. But the theories about her is that she actually was an older goddess that just got accepted into Christianity, almost kind of like grandfathered in because she was so important. And so she carries with her the ancient reality of pre-Christian paganism and, you know, different Mm. cults around goddesses. And I thought that was really profound. And you could feel like an older history, or at least I felt it. Um, when I was in the presence of this statue. And whether it was just all of the energy, because she was very old, and all the energy of people praying in that place just felt very intense and beautiful. So that was what started my journey of seeking out older religions, older spiritualities, and specifically looking into the feminine, the divine feminine. So I started writing songs about that, but I hadn't quite yet honed in on my own ancestors. My own history is I'm Irish for as far back as anybody can remember. And I even did a DNA test. I'm 99.7% Irish. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So 
yeah, I feel like a deep connection there. But at the time, I wasn't as open to it. I had been to Ireland many times, felt spiritual connections, but I just only knew of a Christian Ireland. I didn't Mm -hmm. have anybody that taught me about the older ways. And the Black Madonna was how I found my way starting to go that direction. On that album, I wrote... It's like 18 songs. It's a long album. And a lot of them just felt like they were fever dreams of visions. I just opened myself up and was trying to just, I don't know, just channel. I wrote a lot of it just in the dark and wrote a song about Hecate, the Greek goddess of the crossroads. And I wrote a song about a banshee in Ireland. So I was starting to get into mythology and see what it had to tell me, you know, teach me. But in all of that, I wrote a song called Ghost Dance, which when I wrote it, I had no idea what I was writing about. I just mm. wrote it. And it came out in one piece. Like some of my songs, I write for days, weeks, months, and I know where they're coming from because I'm feeling through it. This one was just like, here's a song. Mm. And I recorded it. Like a download. That was it. Yeah. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And I even questioned the lyrics when I wrote them because I really I was like, I have not experienced this. I don't know what I'm writing about. But it was a beautiful song. So I accepted it and it recorded it. And then thought the album was done and I was going to release it. But in the meantime, I had some friends that were going to Costa Rica and everybody had invited me. It was like kind of a therapeutic trip. Everybody was going with a purpose of like working on themselves. Yeah. And I told everybody, okay, I'm going to go on this trip as kind of a celebration that I finished that album, but also just as... I don't know. I felt like I needed like a spiritual retreat, basically. So that's basically what I was treating it like mentally. I told everybody on the plane, I was like, yeah, you know, I just want to have like a really spiritual, peaceful time. And everyone was very supportive. There was a bunch of people I didn't know super well, but we were all renting a big house together. And first day I get there, we go horseback riding. And I love horseback riding. Like I love horses. So I was in my element. I was really happy. So happy to be there. And it was a beautiful day. And the man who took us out horseback riding, I just suddenly honed in on him. He had the most beautiful long black hair and he and the horse just looked like best friends. And they just had the most beautiful energy. He was playful. He actually stood up on the horse at one point because he, I don't know, just having fun. He just was just like a wild man of nature, you know, just beautiful, (laughs) um, a green man sort of, you know. And I just was like, who is this person? I want to be his friend. Like, it was just like, you know, zoom in. And literally, I just rode my horse up next to him. (laughs) And I started asking him questions like, oh, my name is Joy. What is your name? You know, just wanted to like, kind of like, I don't know, like I was back in elementary school trying to make a friend, basically. That's how I picture it. I can totally picture yeah. you just like beaming like, hi, Yeah, no, my I, name's Joy. <laughs> I just thought his energy was so cool. So I just wanted to know him. And I said, you don't look like other Costa Ricans that I've met so far. And he's like, oh, well, actually, I'm native Costa Rican. I'm from this tribe called the Maleku. And we live in this area. This is our ancestral lands. And he starts telling me about his beautiful tribe. And then I just started asking a million questions like, I want to know what you guys believe. You know, what's your mythology? What's your language sound like? You know, and I just started asking him and he was so generous and very excited to share. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful. And of course, long story short, of course, he became one of my friends. But after that horseback ride, I go back to where we were staying and I tell my friends, I have to go back and talk to this guy. I have to learn more. And that's basically how I spent my trip. (laughs) was getting to know him and learning about his tribe. And ultimately, I ended up 
writing a song with him because I thought his language was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Hearing him speak this indigenous language and the meanings of it, it resonated so deeply in my heart and soul that I felt home. I felt like, oh, this is like, it was a relief because modern life has never felt like that to me. Mm. It's always felt like, what's all this cement? These cars make too much noise. Everything is scary. People are mean to each other. But when I was sitting with this beautiful man telling me about the beliefs of his tribe, who has been around for as long as anyone can remember, it was just like, oh, life finally makes sense. This is where we all come from. We all come from tribes like this. And mm. I told him, I said, I've always wanted to be part of a tribe. <laughs> and he goes, you are. The Irish are indigenous. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we are. <laughs> and then I looked at our history. I was like, oh, yes, we've been in Ireland since 10,000, wow. you know, like BC. Like we are indigenous to that land. And so ultimately what I discovered through my dear friend, whose name is Miguel, by the way, was that he helped me get back to learning about my own history, which mm -hmm. had been lost in my more recent, you know, generations in my family. But it was just right there in front of my face that I needed to go that direction and go back to understanding the old ways of my culture. But I learned it through a Native American in Costa Rica, who is so amazing. And he's still like a dear, dear friend. I'd consider him one of my soulmates. So cool. But in that whole trip, how the song ties all into this craziness was that the very end of my trip, the day before we were going to fly out, Miguel invited me and my friends to a ceremony. He didn't say what we were going to do, but he was like, it's a ceremony where we connect to our ancestors. And I felt so grateful to him that I felt like I have to just say yes. Yes, of course, I will go and, you know, do whatever is the traditional thing that you guys all do. I will go. And a few of my friends came and he led us through the rainforest on this hike to get to this like house that they had built that was a sacred house where they did rituals or ceremonies. I would call it a ritual, but a ceremony to honor their ancestors. As we're walking, I was right behind Miguel's path. I just felt like I was in another world, but in the most beautiful way. And as we we're walking, it started to rain and the rain just soaked us all just completely through. But it was warm rain because it was mm -hmm. rainforest. And by the time we got there, it felt like we had been cleansed. <sighs> and then we got to this beautiful house mm -hmm. that had smoke coming through the chimney hole in the center. It had palm fronds as the roof. As we went in, it was a round house with this center hearth. And a bunch of members of Miguel's tribe were there. He called them all his brothers. I don't know. They're probably all interrelated. I actually don't know how anyone was related, but probably all cousins could be brothers. But they were all Maleku. And they were chanting and drumming. And Miguel directs us to just hold hands and close our eyes. And he says, the way we connect to our ancestors is through our hearts and just keeping them open and just be present. Just send love from your heart. That's all you have to do. And so that's what I did. I was like, oh, well, this is great because I felt so incredibly grateful for Miguel and everything he had taught me that all I wanted to do was send him love. So in this moment, that's all I was doing. I was focusing on sending his tribe love and gratitude. And in what felt like an eternity, but maybe five minutes, I started to feel like more and more people had arrived into this little house. And I could hear them, I could feel them. 
I could feel the warmth of their bodies, the breath. And I was like, oh, but I kept my eyes closed because that's what Miguel told us to do. I was trying to be very respectful. And I thought, oh, maybe more of my members of his tribe arrived. And everybody felt very loving. So it was just like so positive. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And I was just like, okay. And as like, I'm feeling like this crowd behind me, at one moment, I just felt like, Ooh, I feel like I need to check, you know, like who's right behind me. So I kind of broke my concentration a little bit to like peek, uh, you know, open my eyes a little bit. And in that moment, I realized, oh my God, (laughs) no one else is here. (laughs) And then I closed my eyes again and I saw and felt all of those people there again. Wow. And then when I realized that it was a spiritual vision that I was having, I felt all the love coming from the immense amount of people behind me. That is what it felt like. And I was like, wow, it was the first time in my life I didn't feel alone. And I felt like, oh my God, all of my ancestors are here and they're rooting for me. They love me. They're like the best audience in the world. So your ancestors. It felt like mine. Yeah. I don't know. It was incredible. And I felt like in that moment, I had nothing to worry about in the rest of my life. And I was going to go back to them I was part of them. That was it. That was my tribe showed up. After the ceremony, Miguel says, oh, I saw my ancestors and I saw your ancestors and we have some shared ancestors. He's like, we are family. Mm. And I was like, oh. And he said, he said the word past life. So it was very interesting. He was like, yeah, we have a, a past life connection. Like, oh, that wasn't part of my vocabulary yet. But it felt in that experience, it felt very true. Mm. However you could interpret it. It felt like, whoa, that was profound. And I knew I needed to process it. But on my way home on the airplane, I started thinking about my album. I was about to go home and release that album. And it suddenly dawned on me that this song, Ghost Dance, that I had written, that I didn't know where it came from, I started thinking about the lyrics and I was like, holy fuck, I wrote the song of that experience before I had it. Right. Like months before. Because the lyrics go, one day... One day, like magic, my rain dance opened up the sky and it poured down. Oh, how it poured down. And I couldn't remember it as dry. One day, my ancestors came to me. Oh, how they sang loud. Oh, how they sang loud. And they opened doors for me. And then the chorus is, you showed me that some dreams end up like they should and some nightmares turn a corner and they end for good. And I felt like in that moment when I realized, I think I just experienced the song that I wrote with the rain pouring down, seeing the visions of my ancestors, and then realizing that I was okay, that, you know, I I came from an abusive background. So I felt like that was a huge healing moment of like, my immediate family wasn't great. They weren't healthy for me, but my ancestral family was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the chorus of that song being that some nightmares turn a corner and they end for good. And it felt like it's all good. (laughs) You know, I said it much more eloquently in the song, but I just felt like everything's okay. And I'm finding my tribe from Miguel to like, basically my life after that (laughs) became me picking up all the people that are my, what I would call my soul family, Mm. you know, in all the adventures with my music, my art, tattooing, I found so many healing people. So that's interesting. First of all, thank you for sharing all of that. (laughs) Thank you for listening. It's a really beautiful story, and I love how it kind of has this circle. It really does come back to a moment that you experienced prior. Yeah. And almost like that song didn't necessarily set you on the journey, but 
the journey followed and it came back to that moment that you just said something interesting. And I'm wondering if after that experience with Miguel, right? Yeah. Do you feel like you were more open to find more of your soul family or do you feel like you were looking for that or both? Probably both. I think this part of my life, it opened up a really beautiful healing moment. I think I had to heal old stuff with my actual nuclear family. And once I felt like I kind of got to a really good place with it, then it opened up a whole world to me. It was almost like Mm. healing pain makes you feel like you're lighter. And I think you actually have more space. feels like space in your body, your mind, you know, something's not preoccupying you, like a pain that is distracting. And so that healing made me go, oh, wow, I have so much more to my life that can just keep evolving. There's so much more healing, excitement, amazing things that I can experience. That Yeah, that, I would say that's a pivotal place in my journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Didn't know it at the time, uh, of course, because it's not as easy to see at the time. But in retrospect, I, I'm able to see that. And I was able to, 12 years later, meet up with Miguel. I hadn't seen him for 12 years, but we actually oh. met again this year I went out to Costa Rica and it was like no time had passed. And we sang together oh, again. Oh, yes. I saw the photos. I yep. kept meaning to ask you about that trip. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And really, it was, I really just wanted to go there to tell him thank you for everything that he had helped me get to this place in myself. And it wasn't even his intention. It was just that the way he is, who he is, that's, it helped me. It was just beautiful. You know, so he's, like I said, a soul friend always. That's lovely. Yeah. The major word that I always remember that he taught me that is in his language is afe pakian, which means thank you. But it means thank you and God is here at the same time. Mm. And that was the song that I wrote with him was called afe pakian. And the lyrics were very simple in concept, but very deep. The lyrics just say, thank you to the earth for being here because without you we would not exist mm. which is very simple it's a prayer basically to thank the earth for everything she provides in the Maleku language it is feminine as, mm-hmm. as, as far as i understand it but i'm always learning too from miguel so learning more about his culture but yeah that also struck me because i had started to get into understanding or like wanting to seek out goddesses and ancient goddess concepts and mm-hmm. the fact that i had written the whole album about goddesses and then experienced this whole profound experience that also involved writing a song about a maleku concept of an earth goddess essentially. And and it was, it was beautiful. It it made me think, okay, we are all one when we go to our tribal essence of humanity, you know, the essence of being connected to the earth, not forgetting that connection and feeling from our hearts. Mm. We feel the connection of the basic parts of humanity we all share. And that to me is incredible, but we forget about it so much in our world of separateness Yeah, there's also a lot of enoughness in what you just shared from both sides of the earth giving us enough, right? And then us giving us ourselves permission that we're enough in the way that you share how Miguel affected you. There didn't have to be all this intention behind wanting to affect you, right? Or have an impact on your relationship at all, right? It was just him being who he is Mm. and being that so authentically that that's all he has to do. 
to have that effect. And there's something about that that is so relieving feeling to me. It's a great reminder, first of all, that like we want to do all of these things or for those of us who do, it's okay to just be who you are. Those things will be affected in the areas that you want them to be as long as we're true to ourselves and are connected to ourselves and the earth can be the same or part of that. And it is that it's enough and we are connected to it. Yeah. And we give and it gives and it doesn't have to try to give to us. And, you know, obviously we have issues with the environment, but outside of that, if we allow it to be and nurture us, then we could have enough. There's we, something really beautiful in that. Yeah. 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 I think what I have seen in indigenous people that I feel like why it connects to my soul is because it connects to, I think, you know, the way my ancestors lived in symbiosis with the earth when we lived in a way that wasn't destructive to the earth. Not, you know, obviously you can go through history and find problematic, you know, things everywhere of getting out of balance. Sure. But I think it is about trying to find the balance and indigenous people have so much to teach us now to find that balance. I really felt that profoundly with the Maleku and any Native American cultures that I have connected into as well. It's like, oh, there's medicine in this, Mm -hmm. like the connections. And yeah, I can't say like, I know how to fix anything, but I do feel like the medicine is in there. It's in the earth. It's in what our ancestors have to teach us and we can stumble through it and find it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And work together. Like I'm hearing that too. Like, how do we support all of this? Like, how can we support each other? And how can we reconnect and support the earth and vice versa and tap back in? Yeah, yeah. And it can be very simple. Yeah. It's interesting because I think about it like, okay, in my life, in the moments that I just shared with you, we're all individual pursuit of my own self and understanding of myself. But then it started to branch out to feeling like a oneness with all of the earth, not just my own tribe that might be Irish, but also another tribe clear across the other world, you know, like in Costa Rica, you know, just feeling like, oh, yes, in our basic essence, we are, we are one. And that's beautiful. And I don't know, it's a beautiful healing place to feel into. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And what a special experience that you got to have. And just thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, I I will share, just so you can include it in the episode, the song that we wrote. Yes, Um, please. And I have since done one other, I've released one other song in Maleku on my last album, The Cave. So I can also share that with you as well. It starts with an Irish myth about the well of wisdom, essentially. And then I go into Maleku from Miguel's tribe. So it was written by another member of his tribe that I actually haven't met in person, Mm. but he sent me lyrics and offered them that I could put them in a song. Yeah, so I have a continuing relationship. I know that I'm going to write more. My next concept with Miguel is to sing in Irish. So I'm singing in an indigenous language and then sing with him in his language too. So that we combine these two ancient worlds together. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. So you may have just answered this already, but I'll ask it anyway. If there was one takeaway that you'd like the listener to have from this conversation, what would that be? I always feel like the most important thing that we always need to remember is that we're not alone in this world. Whether it's that the plants are here with us, a beautiful tree is here with us sending us love, or animals around us, or it is our ancestors, and all the other people around us that are in this life the same time, like you're not alone. 
and whatever you're experiencing and trying to understand about yourself, it matters and the answers are out there, you know, mm-hmm. Mulder said, <laughs> Mulder, <laughs> Scully, but I do, I do feel that way. Like it is kind of like seek and you will find cause you know, you kind of put out those intentions, like things, you, sure. you know, things you don't understand. Whether find you. It does. <laughs> and it's cool. I do feel like we're in this life to heal. At least that's one of my purposes. And if you seek that, you will get it. It's profound and beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. How can we connect with you? I'm all over the internet, of course. My band is Joy Shannon and the Beauty Marks. That is on Spotify, Apple Music, all the things, YouTube. <laughs> And also Instagram, I'm at Joy Shannon. My tattoos are on there too. I tattoo under the name Triple Goddess Tattoos. So I'm all over there. It's easy to find me. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joy, for doing this on your birthday, doing this in your home, and having just a very special episode that we got to do together. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And Afe Pakian to Miguel, who's my soul brother. (laughs) Yeah, thank you.
Thank you.